0: You're listening to the Homeschooling Families Podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's podcast, David and I will be picking up the conversation we had last week, and we'll be going a little deeper by looking at why homeschooling works. As we've noted time and time again, homeschooling is a great tool for a discipleship focused family. And today, we'll explore some of the reasons why. Stay tuned for that discussion. Fall is upon us now, and the colors we get to experience as the Lord paints his new masterpiece are stunning. We have so much to be grateful for. Speaking of being grateful, did you know that there are countless scientifically proven benefits for practicing the habit of gratitude and thanksgiving? According to an article in Forbes magazine, gratitude improves relationships it improves your physical and emotional health it helps you sleep better think clearer and it even enhances your ability to empathize with people far beyond those benefits though the bible talks about thanksgiving extensively and tells us the far greater spiritual benefits of it my husband david spent several years studying what god's word has to say about thanksgiving And I can tell you firsthand that the way God has used that study in his own life has been amazing. Out of that study, David created a 40-day journal to help you learn about Thanksgiving as you walk through the Psalms, and then he helps you put into practice what you learn with simple yet profound prompts. 40 days of practicing Thanksgiving while studying the Psalms will create a new habit in your life that you'll never want to stop practicing. Learn more about that Thanksgiving in the Psalms journal and get yourself a copy now. Many families have used these for family devotions, so we offer family packs to help you do that as well. Go to transformjournals.com today. Again, that's transformjournals.com. So in our last episode, we talked about how discipleship and pointing our children to Christ must be paramount in homeschooling, and we discussed why that's so important. In fact, we gave four really beneficial ways that this focus will impact your homeschool and what you do each day. So if you missed that episode, you can easily find it on our podcast page or through your preferred (laughs) podcast platform. Today, though, we want to dive a little bit deeper into why homeschooling works so well, Specifically, with that mission in mind.
1: Well, this morning I was uh, I was in Second Timothy, in my devotions, and you know the background with Second Timothy, uh, it, it, it's actually the rat last. A lot of scholars believe it was the last epistle that was written by Paul, and it was written after Acts, and so Acts actually kind of ends with Paul in prison, and you have the he's in prison in Rome, and that particular imprisonment. It was, in, it was a little bit of a lighter experience. I don't mm. want to say that it was an easy experience. He was in prison after all, right. but it was, it was more of a rented house. He was able to have visitors. He was actually able to work as a tent maker. And it was um, not the same kind of experience as what he experienced right before his execution. Right. And that is the experience that he was in. He was in prison and he, when he wrote Second Timothy. And he would probably was within a year of being executed. Mm -hmm. And Nero is the emperor. And this this particular imprisonment was really difficult. Mm -hmm. It's what you would imagine um, if you were to imagine what a prison would look like. I mean, it was like a dungeon. And uh, uh, I've never actually seen it. But from what I understand, you can actually go to Rome today and you can see where they say, according to tradition... (laughs) Uh, where he was in prison, and it, it's rough. I mean, it is a rough place. And he is—he's written the book of 2 Timothy, and uh, he is—it's uh, it, uh, been sent to Timothy. He has been abandoned by everybody; only by, only Luke is there. And uh, the environment that Second Timothy was written under in the kind of uh, Roman world at the time was persecution was really starting to escalate. Mm-hmm. And so Paul writes this letter to Timothy, who is the pastor at this time in Ephesus.
0: And it was his son in the faith. They had a very, very, um, very tight relationship.
1: Yes. And so he is trying to encourage Timothy with this letter and encourage him as a pastor, as a person that Paul himself has discipled and mentored. And uh, he... Clearly, Timothy is going to be worried about Paul because he knows what the danger is. He knows what is probably going to happen. And uh, Paul's response is to increase the focus on the mission. Mm-hmm. And what he does is that he basically raises the importance of the mission in his description in the letter. And this is where he actually says... Uh, He says, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And he's talking about the mission that he has been called. Mm. And he calls Timothy, his beloved, and he is encouraging him to not abandon the faith. And um, his, his method of doing this is by increasing the importance, by raising the importance in his description of what the actual mission is. And I think that that comes back to why we actually were talking about the mission last time that we were together. And we gave these four reasons of why uh, you need to be focused on the right mission. It's not just about having any why, it's about having the right why. And these are the four reasons why you need to be focused on that, right. and it gets into you know filtering what you do and on a daily basis, if lining you fill, everything up, lining everything up. But when things get really rough,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you have to have a really big mission, and that's what you kind of see when Paul is talking to Timothy is, is things are about ready to get really rough, yeah. and what he's doing is is that he's going and he's returning him back. Look, remember the mission is about Jesus Christ; it's about uh, sharing the gospel and spreading this out across the world mm-hmm. and um, and talking to uh, God's people, you know which are those that believe and um, and and I think that that's in a way that's kind of what we're saying and, and, and I think people would be surprised to hear that we're not necessarily advocates of homeschooling. Right. It's there's there's a very specific reason why we would come to homeschooling as the best way to do this. But really what we're advocating is the importance of parents and their engagement with what goes on with the
0: discipleship. Yeah. And I love the way that you were you were highlighting how Paul elevated that mission, how you know. And and Timothy, Paul's relationship with Timothy, when you look through the books, The letters to Timothy, there's almost a rubric there of spiritual growth when you start at the beginning and you move forward. I actually wrote about that in the Teach Them Diligently book, because as we look at our children and their growth, we can see the same markers. And it's super cool, and it's super awesome to see. But for so many of us parents, we fail to see the power of that mission that God has given us, the importance, the the strategic significance of our involvement in our children's lives, and how there is no one else on this earth who can impact our children the way that that we can. And because every element of culture, every bit of messaging that we're hit with all the time plays that down, it is very easy to get really mired in the minutiae and to allow those lesser things that we talked about some of those last week, but to allow those lesser things to make us lose our vision of what we're doing or or really just see homeschooling as a task. When actually homeschooling is a tool, homeschooling opening opens doors for conversations. Homeschooling gives us opportunities to engage with our children, and that's really what we want to discuss with you today.
1: Yeah, I mean it's you know it's not like homeschool. Hey, I homeschool checkbox. Right. You know there are a lot of families that even though they homeschool, they still end up with a lot of difficulty. They yeah. still end up with children that are walking away from the faith, and and and. Uh, there's, there's still scenarios where there's very hostile relationships and a lot of anger between parents, uh, that are, that are, would consider them homeschool themselves, homeschool families. Mm -hmm. And so just because you homeschool, does not mean that you're suddenly going to be immune to these scenarios and really what we believe, I mean, we've all heard these statistics, right? About the number of, of, of Christian children from Christian families that are leaving the faith, they're leaving the church when they leave home. I mean, I think that depending on who you ask, uh, the numbers are anywhere between 60% and 80%. And you will, I mean, all you got to do is do a simple Google search and you run into these numbers. And uh, let's just take the 60% number. That is terrifying. It's
0: devastating. It is
1: terrifying. And um, we believe that there is a connection, there's a direct correlation between the amount of time that parents spend with their children in these numbers of, of children that are leaving the church and leaving the faith when they leave home. And if, again, if you look online, what you'll find is is that the number the, the, the on average, the amount of time, the quality parent, time quality time that parents spend with their kids is shockingly low yeah it is and i think the pre-pandemic numbers the numbers have actually gone up a little bit during the pandemic because everybody was stuck together right <laughs> um but the pre-pandemic numbers were like 34 minutes i think i found one that was 34 minutes i found another one that was 45 minutes yeah and so we're talking about less averaging less than an hour a day with your kids.
0: Again, that is quality time. That is actual engaged time with your children. And that that is a really big deal. And that's something that whether you are homeschooling or not, you need to take seriously. Because just because you are in the same room with someone does not mean that there's quality time being had.
1: Yeah, I mean, so if you look at what's going on in the world today and you just kind of just look around you uh, you're you're going to notice uh, it, and I, I encourage you to pay attention to this. Hmm. Is that you know every institution and the culture and the kind of the popular society, the things that surround us? It's like everything is conspiring to separate the parent from the child. You have, for instance. Um, uh even when parents are together with their kids, uh, you have tech. Mm-hmm. And parents, I mean, many parents, they have introduced tech into their homes. And I don't want to make it sound like I don't want to completely demonize tech. But look, you know, every single one of your kids has a smartphone and they're on social networks. And and I'm not talking about necessarily everybody, but I am talking about um, just the kind of general world this is that's a systemic out there.
0: Problem in it our is. Society, I mean, yeah. we go
1: to a volleyball games. you look around and you see all the little kids are on tech. You know, they're on uh, tablet computers and they're on cell phones. You go to a basic basketball game, and you see you look around, and like three quarters of the people are all looking at their phones. You go the 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 picture of an American family today, is everybody sitting in the same room and they're all looking at their smartphones. And that's what I'm kind of talking about here is that yes, the internet can be a great tool, but it's really gotten out of hand. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's part of the problem as well, is that even though you're together, you're not together. And so there's technology that has entered into this and it's not just smartphones, it's tablet computers it's televisions it's xboxes it's all kinds of things that just kind of pull the families apart and uh some of you are going to hear me say this and you're going to say that i'm i'm advocating okay we need to throw all the xboxes into the trash and i don't know if i'm necessarily saying that what i am saying is is that um it can definitely become a real problem Mm -hmm. and you need to be aware of this problem it's one thing to uh Play a little bit here and there. It's a whole nother thing that it dominates right. your entire family life. Um, same thing with the uh, cell phones, and same thing with uh, tablet computers. Well, that's and, just one thing.
0: And as parents, it's really important for us to model for our children a discipline with those things. You know, as your kids get older, especially once they start driving and and things like that, having a smartphone, having having technology like that is actually a good thing. We wanted our kids to have phones when they were out driving and they were able to to connect with us and so on but it's imperative that we are able to model for them a a disconnect from your phone so that I can connect with the human that is right there with me the person that I love that is sitting there in front of me and so often we see as we're out and about or we're you know whatever we are we are seeing families where they are telling their children by their actions that they're prioritizing other people. And I don't think any of us actually think about it that way, but that's really what we're doing. And it's impossible to have that same kind of impact that you want to have on your children to really maximize that time that you're given and and keep that mission on the front burner if you are telling your children by your actions that someone else who is not here and you may not even actually know in real life Is more important than they are.
1: Yes, and so that's just one thing that actually separates families, right? Mm -hmm. We got the technology; it separates families, and it's uh, we could have an entire podcast episode. And this is an important issue, so I don't want to completely go off, but I I do want to say this is an important issue, and you need to think about this. And this is something that separates families. The second thing that I think that really separates families is if you do make the decision to send your kids off to a school. Right, your kids are actually going to be spending more time at the school than they are sleeping in their own bed. I want you to think about that because uh, we say that we're not necessarily advocating homeschool. Right, the way we get to homeschool is this idea of uh, parents need to be with their kids. If you're going to disciple your kids, you have to be with them, and so therefore you need to maximize the time that you have with your kids, and so. You know, just because you send your kids off to private school doesn't mean you're not a discipler, but keep in mind on this, you are sending your kids off to be in a place longer than they are actually sleeping in their own bed.
0: And, and so, so that
1: separates you it's from them. imperative
0: then that if you are making that choice that you are super hyper intentional with the time that you have on weekends in the evenings and whatever, and it's so very, very difficult when you take not only school time but then practices and music lessons and you know, all of these other things that are piled on top of school time, it becomes very, very difficult to actually perform the mission that God has given you if you are not with your children during the day, which is why, like he, David was saying a second ago, why we are so convinced that homeschooling as a tool for discipleship is truly the one of the very best best tools that you have in your arsenal to to go for the hearts of your children, to spend the time building those relationships, pointing them to Jesus and doing everything else that God has called you to do.
1: So the other thing is, is that our churches, and um, again, I, I don't want, I want to be careful that I don't demonize some institutions that are in the churches. What I am going to say is, is that as a general rule, the churches actually, they break, the families down into age groups and families actually want this they actually fight for this they get angry at pastors Mm -hmm. because they don't have uh, stuff for particular age groups and i'm it's it's to an extreme where when you walk into the church uh every single thing that is done in the church is broken down by age group and there is a practical level to this where maybe there is age group specific programs that are needed but when you think about this and you have uh you send your kids off to school you have technology in your home you then go to church and that is separated as well it's like there is nothing that actually uh it's like countercultural to actually want to bring families together mm-hmm. in the same room It is going against the grain. And it's like there is something out there, right, that is doing, that is trying its hardest to separate families and separate parents from the kids. And it's not just, you know, evil politicians that are doing this. It is, it's like the entire current of the world is focused on this goal Of keeping parents from their kids.
0: Right. Well, and kind of layering on top of that, layering on top of the fact that every current is actually designed to kind of separate the two. I think that also you're finding that to to really compound things, every current is actually designed to make parents doubt their effectiveness with their children, doubt their ability to you know, impact or, or do good things with their children. You know, we are, we are taught that we need a professional for whatever, to teach, to train, to disciple, to whatever. And, and that has really caused a lot of, a lot of parents to question their own abilities. Yeah.
1: I think that parents actually think of themselves as I want to disciple my kids, therefore, I need to find a good youth pastor to disciple them. I need to find a good private Christian school to disciple them. I need to go find somebody that will disciple them. And I need to go find a really good curriculum mm-hmm. that will disciple them. I need to go find a, a, a good Bible study that will disciple them. And really what they need is they need you. Yeah. And so p- parents actually see themselves as a hindrance to this discipleship thing. Exactly. They don't see themselves as the facilitators. And so we yeah. actually keep coming back to this story, you know, where you have uh, suffer the little children come to me. Those are parents that were bringing their children to Jesus Christ and the discipleship, disciples were holding them back. And um, I think that, that we actually don't see ourselves that way. Yeah. We don't see ourselves as I'm the one that needs to bring my children to Jesus Christ. We actually see ourselves as... All I can do is mess this up.
0: Well, and and that is reinforced, again, with every bit of messaging that we're given. And we are keenly aware of our own faults. We are keenly aware of our failings and the things that we lack. But what we miss in all of that is the fact that he who has called you is faithful to equip you and to keep you going in the right direction. So as we draw closer to Jesus, as we spend time in his word, and we just allow that to overflow into our conversations with our children, which we talk about an awful lot. That is a natural, intentional teach them diligently as you walk, as you talk, all of these things. That's how discipleship works itself out. And when you are allowing that to happen and you are growing and bringing uh, bringing them along with you, uh, like I believe I said in the last podcast, discipleship is leveraging what you've learned in Christ for the sake of another. I want to take everything that I have ever learned and help my kids learn it earlier. Every mistake that I've ever made that I have had to grow and learn through, I want to help them avoid make the mistake and just learn the lessons. I want to leverage everything that God has taught me for the sake, the good of my children. And the only way that I can do that is, first of all, if I am with them and I'm present in every way, intentional in that presence, but also if I am trusting the Lord to equip me to do what He has called me to do and I am walking with Him um, growing and changing all along the way. Yeah,
1: I, 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 I think there is a tendency to think that you have to be perfect, right? That you have to put on this act in order to disciple your kids. Mm. And I actually uh, don't believe that at all. Right. I don't think that the Bible teaches that. I don't think that that God wants that. I don't think that 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 I actually think that your faults actually, in some cases, can be a greater opportunity for discipling your kids than doing everything perfect. Right. When you mess up, you know, when people, uh, when, when your kids see you actually say that you're sorry, or they see mm-hmm. that your response, uh, you know, it's not so much how you mess up. It's how you respond when you mess up. Right. And so uh, mm-hmm. it's the recovery period that really tells the tell. Yeah. And so um, uh, that, that is actually an important part of discipleship is what your kids actually seeing you Respond after you have messed up in some way, and it can be that you just start screaming at your kids, and then you come back and you say, "Look, I am so sorry. I didn't." I mean should to do not that. have responded I have not that way. Done that. Um, they need to actually hear you, even even if you don't. Maybe you're not yelling at them. Maybe you're yelling at somebody else. You know, maybe you're complaining about a neighbor that's next door. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Or
0: the guy who cut you off in traffic. Let's or, just be yeah, honest.
1: Yeah. Um, they need to see you respond in that way. And so mm-hmm. I, I want, there's you, I want to actually give you a little bit of comfort in the element that you don't have to be perfect in order to do this. I don't think that G- Jesus Christ expected any of his disciples to be perfect right. when he sent them out into the community.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: And uh, I don't think he expects us to be perfect
0: either. No, not at all. Because he knows us. He knows our heart. He knows our frame. But he also promises that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us when we seek him. And he will use that in our children's lives, which is the most amazing thing that God is able to work even through our mistakes and our errors. But I also, I don't think that it's just in the discipleship that parents... Feel like they're a hindrance instead of a facilitator. And this really gets down to the point of why homeschooling works so well. And I want to share with you some things that I learned. I am, we've mentioned over the last several weeks, I've just finished a book on heart school, which is the method that we have kind of coined, put out there for discipleship focused homeschooling, what that looks like, how it works, what the benefits are. Um, But as I was writing that book, I found a ton of research that is secular research. What I want to reference now was actually put out by the University of Wisconsin-Madison when they were studying why schools were failing, why what was the the catalyst or what was the big issue for those children that did very very well, and without exception, you see that though um, schools have been focusing on curriculum, they said the last fifteen years of school reform have focused on course curriculum, instructional methods, and teacher training, yet these reforms have not accomplished as much as they might because academic achievement is shaped more by children's lives outside the school walls particularly their parents. It goes on to say, when parents are involved, students get better grades, score higher on standardized tests, have better attendance records, drop out less often, have higher aspirations, and have more positive attitudes towards school and homework. What's more, these positive impacts seem most important for children growing up in disadvantaged, highly stressed families. So you see a massive, massive difference in the success trajectory of kids academically when parents are intimately involved and taking control of the decisions surrounding their child's education. And that's really how we how we define the act of homeschooling. It's parents seizing control of all those decisions about how their child is educated and how their time is spent and all of that. That's what kind of the act of homeschooling boils down to. And there is so much research that backs up the fact that when we are engaged as parents, when we are right there learning and growing with them, our kids do better, they're more emotionally stable, they, are, they have higher aspirations, so they're shooting higher, they have a better outlook on life in general, we are able by just investing in them to give our children a hope and a future academically, preparing them much better for life than any other educational um, opportunity that they can have. And therefore, homeschooling works not just because parents are discipling their children, which is a massive, massive part of this, mm-hmm. but also because academically, parents' involvement makes all the difference in the world.
1: Yeah. And I I think that, that there's there's a a general umbrella here just to kind of focus on is how important the, the engagement of parents are in the lives of their kids. Mm-hmm. It makes a massive difference. And does, does that mean necessarily that you never use a video class? Never. No, it doesn't. Does it mean that you never use a co-op? No, it doesn't. It does mean, though, that you are very sensitive to how much time you are spending with your kids. And so I, I can tell you that when when our kids were growing up, uh, we actually, when when they were going through a rough patch, right? And we all, as parents, have these where the children are actually just they're struggling more in behavior, right? <laughs> There's more disobedience. Uh, they're getting into more trouble. The first thing that we would start to think about is we were starting. We would start to think about how much time we were spending yeah. with them. And we would actually take the kids out on what we call dates with just us so that they would be able to uh, get that opportunity to be with us. And so we would actually increase the amount of time that we were spending with them when we noticed that they were having... A, a rough patch, yeah. we'll say that. And um, and so we would work on that. And even to this day, we try to do that. Yeah. And I think that that kind of flows into this general umbrella thought process of your children need you. You are not the hindrance right. to them coming to Christ. You're not the hindrance to them becoming mature Christians. You're not the hindrance to them uh, making A's. Uh, you're actually the facilitator and you're the most important aspect of that. And God has given you this calling and this mission because he delights in using his people. Hmm. And so what you do matters. And you have to believe that.
0: Yep. Yes, because ultimately, why homeschooling works so well as a tool that it is. Now, again, don't get that out of order. It's a tool for your chief mission, which is to disciple your children, bring them to Christ. But why it works so well is your involvement. You are the key, mom and dad. And God has designed you. He created you. For this, he created your children to be within your home. He knew that you were the perfect one to disciple and educate that child, and then he is pleased, like David was noting, to use you. And that's a truly awesome thing.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: So, I hope this has been an encouragement and a help to you. I hope that it's helped you really elevate your own vision for how God can use you and is using you, and that 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 vision that new appreciation for the role that you get to play in your life, which is a privileged role, a privileged position. I hope that that inspires you to go out to, to see the, the little detours, the little frustrations, the small things that pop up all the time as just that, as small things that you can together work through, overcome, You know, realign some things, whatever, but keeping things within the confines and the order that comes with your right big why in your very very privileged position uh, be sure that you check out those resources that we noted at the front we've got the te- I'm sorry, the, homeschool- <laughs> the heart school book that is available now I want to make sure that you pick up a copy of that uh, I truly believe that it will be a help to you as you refine your vision and really get excited about what God has called you to do so we've linked that in the show notes here um, so check that out uh, be sure to uh, lean into and check out Alpha Omega Publications they have been a great partner for a long time. They have some phenomenal resources for you. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you for joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently, so we're here to help.